0: This is a Headgum Podcast. Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my god, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a Miracle Made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not like getting too hot or too cold or whatever, you know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle made helps with that. One of the little things that And if you order today, you can save 40% off, use the promo code FAKE THE Nation at the checkout, and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today, you'll get 40% off. Use the promo code FAKETHENATION. Go to TryMiracle.com slash nation. And Miracle so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle made. Go to TryMiracle.com slash nation and use the code FakeTheNation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's TryMiracle.com slash FakeTheNation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Maid, for sponsoring this episode. Fake the Nation, episode
1: 246.
0: Hello, hello, this is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about politics, and where the big ship of Western capitalism gets stuck in the narrow waterway of reason because, let's be honest, there's stuff on there we don't need, we don't need the stuff that's on the big ship of capitalism. I am your host, Nagin Farsad, and in the Suez Canal meme that took over the internet, the huge ship for me was a bag of Cheetos and the tugboat was my willpower. Today, we're going to talk about Biden's first presser and other Biden-y stuff. We'll also talk about the GOP's super weird obsession with trans girls. And we'll riff on this week's unfortunate bevy of really dumb culture controversies. I am so excited by today's panel. So joining me for the very first time, and it turns out... Me and him have a history, uh, which made it sound like we dated. We never dated, but I was weirdly a judge on some comedy thing that he did with MoveOn.org, and it brought up so many memories. Anyways... Uh, But since then, he's now just fully, you're fully professional stand-up comedian, no longer doing contests that I would judge. Uh, He's also, he's also the host of the podcast Stradio Lab, which you should immediately be subscribing to. He is the wonderful George Severus. Hi, George.
2: Hello. How's it going?
0: And then next... Next panelist on this episode of Fake the Nation, a tremendous episode it already is, uh, where we've exposed my stereotyping skills. Uh, We have with us a a Fake the Nation alum who we love so much. He's one of the more prolific comedians you'll encounter. He's got four albums on the Spotify's and on the iTunes's. You should be listening to all of them. Uh, he's just fantastic. I've seen him just obliterate audiences with his wit. Folks, it's Christian Finnegan. Hey, Christian.
1: Hello, Nogin. Thank you. I, I Obliterate is a, a very uh, descriptive word for <laughs> gently amusing drunk people. <laughs> Having people be like, oh, yeah, huh, that guy. <laughs> Uh, but sure. Let's call it obliteration. Absolutely. Thank you for having me.
0: All right. Before we get into topic number one, I just want to remind listeners that we are now on Patreon. If you want to support the show, Patreon's a great way to do it. You can go to Patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad. There's many levels of support. Uh you can get bonus episodes of Fake the Nation. I know people like that. Uh and we'll be starting those bonus episodes next week. So it is very exciting. Uh get in on the action and now Let's get into topic number one. Let's talk Biden. This week he unveiled an infrastructure bill, which is hilarious because during the Donny administration there was always supposed to be an infrastructure bill but there never was. And here there is one in the first, I don't know, what are we, 60 days? Um, in it, Biden wants to fix 20,000 miles of roads, 10,000 bridges. He also plans on slightly addressing climate change and racial inequities. And the money to do it? That's coming from raising corporate taxes that got cut uh, by the previous administration so um the cost is two trillion bucks uh which is following on the heels of a 1.9 trillion dollar package uh what do you guys think like where does he get off uh where does he (laughs) (laughs) What, what do you think of this uh this bill christian
1: Uh, well, I, I was walking, I went to the deli this morning and I saw the cover of the New York post and it's, you know, classic, very subtle, nuanced New York post headline where it says something like hand it over. And it's like some, you know, clip art guy of like, you know, clip art picture of a guy being like, what with like all his money, like having to hand over like wads of cash
2: (laughs) and, uh, you know,
1: Biden proposes raising taxes on millions or whatever. And what I would just want to say to, uh, (laughs) Anyone who was fooled by that is: if you are buying the New York Post, your taxes are not going to get raised. No one whose taxes are getting raised is a New York Post subscriber. Uh, maybe one of the other Murdoch papers, say the Wall Street Journal. Uh, but you know th- that you already know the game they're going to play. which is that, you know, they're going to raise your taxes. Like, no, they're really not. No, they're They're not. They're really not. They're
0: really not. Why? Also, they just gave you checks for $1,400. You know what I mean? They're not, they don't want to raise your taxes. Uh, George, I mean, just in terms of, like, ambition and doing these big things, like, what do you think um, of the administration's efforts so far?
2: I mean, I have to say, I, I really, I was a big, you know, a Bernie and Warren supporter. I, Biden was in no way my first choice. I I think, and I want to be, I do think it's our responsibility, even as people who may have voted for him to criticize him at every turn. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, I do th- there's something to be said about how he's kind of like this blank canvas. And if there is enough pressure put on him, he can do anything. I mean, it, it's important to remember that like someone like FDR was never a bleeding heart leftist when he was elected it was just like the time was right and the mood was right and there was enough pressure that he ended up you know leaving behind this kind of legacy and i'm like what if in a weird way biden ends up being an incredibly progressive president
0: Uh, yeah And, and and to be honest i mean some of the stuff in this bill and i'll just tell you guys um you know, there's uh, the the um, the spending plan would take place over eight years. Um, it would be the highest government investment in this part of the economy since the '60s. Um, It would cover a wide range of Infrastructure projects including Transportation, broadband, the electric Grid, housing um, Jump-starting manufacturing uh, Growing economic Competition with China It includes money for uh, To train millions of workers Money for initiatives to support labor unions and providers Of in-home care for older and disabled Americans um, Increasing the pay of workers uh, Who do provide that care already Um, And that's actually one of the more interesting things. Uh, Oh, there's there's here's a fun one. Forty five billion dollars to ensure a child is never forced to drink water from a lead pipe. Uh, There's some really kind of amazing specific stuff in here, you know, and, and I think stuff like, you know, let's make sure children don't drink from lead pipes to me. It feels so bipartisan. How could you disagree with that? Uh, But one of the interesting parts of the bill, $400 billion, which is the biggest kind of chunk of the bill, would be spent on this kind of in-home care, uh, increasing pay for those people, and increasing like the training and the availability of those workers, uh, because a lot of our... People are gonna get old uh, more and more as boomers get older and older. This is like becomes more and more necessary. So, uh, so it kind of seems reasonable that that would happen. It also seems a little bit like this is the building, you know, the WPA kind of uh, plan of our time is to train people to go into that. So, this infrastructure bill does nominally, you know deal with like bridges and roads or whatever but it's also like let's look at the economy and what it's turning into and what it needs and where a lot of people could get jobs Um, so that's fun I think (laughs) <laughs> if that's what you want to call um, This is fun. my idea of fun, Whee. guys. <laughs> um, Definitely party with so, Nagin. Party with Nagin is like, <laughs> I like to talk about really wonky fucking policy solutions. But I think the um, one of the extra fun parts of it is really how it's going to be paid, which is. Also, like I said, raising the corporate tax rate to twenty eight percent, it had been cut during you know during the Trump administration, and he's not even taking it back to like what it was. So that I'll tell you that much. He's also talking about raising the rate of the minimum tax on global profits for multinationals. Um, because right now, multinationals can redu- reduce their tax liability on profits they earn abroad, which does not make sense. <laughs> it incentivizes making profits abroad or whatever anyways. So that's the thing. Um, obviously... You know, uh Christian, what a Republican what do you what do you imagine like our really like delightful Republican friends well, you <laughs> are, know, um in the Senate are gonna it, think about a bill like this?
1: What what first of all what George was saying about Biden, you know, I've definitely had the same feeling, um that he is way more nimble than I would have given him credit for politically. Like he seems way more attuned, you know, and in somebody I've heard pundits say this that he is uh, he knows where the center of his party is at any given time and sort of adjusts to that. And so that's why, like, when the crime bill was the thing in the 90s, like, that's where he sort of situated himself. And so he, he doesn't have these sort of strident personal beliefs as much. I mean, I think he has personal beliefs in terms of how to treat people. And he, I think he's a right. very humane dude and all that. But... Um, I've been very impressed with... uh, I, I thought that he would just kind of be so incremental. Like, I thought he'd be even more incremental than Obama. And a lot of the stuff that Biden is proposing only biden could get away with the sort of a only nixon can go to china thing whereas you know you know obama they people would be pulling their hair out if obama had proposed half of this stuff
0: right all this stuff yeah 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 the you kenyan socialist
1: yeah but but uh, so i've been i've been super impressed by it you know it's all i think it's going to be important for people to remember uh that this is an opening bid and that there will be concessions or compromises there will be uh you know, stuff picked off the edges of it, I'm sure, because uh, I'm sure the GOP will find some small arcane thing to demonize and pretend that the entire two trillion dollars is about some, you know, uh, you know, like when when there'd be an environmental bill and they would find like, oh, you know, uh, for research on waterfowls, what is that? You know, they would find some stupid thing to right, uh, right, 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 discount right. the entire to
0: do, yeah, yeah, the to, marketing campaign against it.
1: Exactly. And so I'm sure they'll find something like that. And it'll be interesting to see how much gets nibbled off the edges. I think at the, at the end of the day, I think I was pleasantly surprised with the rescue plan. Uh, people when, when, uh, When a couple of changes were made um, before the bill was passed, people... I I know I had a feeling of like, okay, here we go. Here's where Biden caves on everything. And he did cave on... The Democrats did negotiate against themselves to a degree, but less so than I've seen them do in the past. And I think the Republicans have really fucked this up, and not just this bill, but this entire next couple of years, because I think they've shown Democrats... That, oh, they're not going to work with us on anything, period, no matter what. So why the fuck are we even trying? Why are we trying? And, you know, there will always be sort of nervous Nellie, centrist Democrats who want to kind of uh, try to get that, you know, obscure Reagan Democrat that they think they can win back by uh, appearing more conservative and punching the left as much as they can. But much less so than in past Administrations, I, I, I really think that Republicans have finally convinced even the Joe Bidens, even the institutionalists that, oh, you're not operating in good faith. We're going to go ahead and pass what we want to pass, as opposed to, you know, sending a, you know, a, a limp dick across every... Uh, that's a weird.
0: metaphor. <laughs> uh, oh my god, the imagery of Olympic just sitting on the like a giant Olympic <laughs> sitting on, platter, on the Senate floor is what yeah, happened. It's like in this my is head. our bipartisan
2: solution, <laughs> and it is Olympia.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, like okay, so George, there was a there yes. was a uh, he did a press conference for the first time. First of all, did it even like land on your radar that he did his first ever press conference? I have
2: to say, because I, I saw this was of all the things you guys said because it was last Thursday. This one, yeah, this one really took me off guard because I was like, I mean, I, I have to say, I read the news every morning. I'm not, you know, ignorant, but I truly <laughs> was like, I guess I didn't. I don't know. I've heard him speak before, and you know, um, I, I, I certainly. It's not like I think he's been hiding or anything, but it hadn't occurred to me that this is his first ever press conference, and it didn't make any waves in a way that you would expect something like that too, but I don't know, maybe it's just- Well, I mean, maybe what, and, and what is
0: that expectation, George? Why do you have the expectation that a sure. press conference no, true, <laughs> would make true. waves? And it's not,
2: I mean, of course, you know, there's a Trump of it all, but then it's also like, even before Trump, uh, an Obama press conference would make headlines for different reasons. And And this is just someone who isn't, I think it's actually refreshing <laughs> that he is not incredibly charismatic and he is kind of like- just reading off a the teleprompter, there's something that it, it's almost like a built in way to keep someone more honest, like because mm. I'm not swayed either way by his tone or his um I don't know, his messaging. I'm just kind of like, right. I can actually just interpret what he's saying at face value because I'm not charmed by him. Yeah. Or right. I, I, it just feels I, 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 like just some bullet neutrality.
0: points. Right. Yeah. Right. And it also just this feels was like, just oh, he... a...
1: oh, I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. How, how, how did it land for you, Christian?
1: Well, it's just this was such a ridiculous kind of... Ins- I hate the term the beltway, but it's such a dumb inside the beltway story. The only reason I knew this was a, con- uh, a quote-unquote controversy is because people like Peter Baker... At the new york times and other uh, dc journalists were like it's been 60 days and biden still hasn't had a press conference first of all the definition of the term press conference is clearly very specific and like george was saying it's like biden's talking all the time i've seen him take questions like Oh, so I guess it's not officially (laughs) labeled. There's not a giant banner saying welcome to the press conference hanging above uh, that it somehow doesn't count. Um, You know, and I understand that that there is an I think there is an instinct among the press mainstream. And I would say even some of the left press is to discount the idea that they're in the bag for Democrats. And so they have to lean they have to sort of make every molehill into a small mountain uh, on the democratic right. side. Cause like, all right, right, right I've done right. five stories about how the Republicans are burning orphanages to the ground. I better pretend this dumb, ridiculous press conference thing is a huge deal just for balance so that I look like I'm a, a neutral journalist. Um, you know? And so he did this press conference and I would say that the, the press didn't really acquit itself terribly well. Um, There's nothing that was gleaned from that press conference that, matches up with any of the issues that voters say they actually care about. I mean, Biden made his yeah, announcement Yeah, like there was about, no
0: questions from the journalists about the pandemic specifically. Yeah. Right. Nobody and they, they did ask about the 2024 about, yeah. race, which yes. nobody cares. Um, you know, they asked about whether or not he thinks he's going to run against Trump. Oh my God, stop it. You know, like yeah. these are questions that don't matter. The only thing, you know, so for, I mean, I think, and and for me, like he the, he kind of opened the thing being like, we're going to have tw- 200 million doses delivered in 100 days. You know, we're on track to do that. And for me, I'm just like, that's a drop the mic moment. You know, you need to speak for the rest of the hour. Like, that's the thing that matters to everybody. You know? Mm-hmm. And right. um and and that was newsworthy and it's, um, you know, and it's great. Um, the other thing that sort of happened that was a little bit newsworthy was that he seemed to be open to filibuster reform. And one of the things, you know, and again, this is like one of those like wonky like, Nagin is a nerd, but like like filibuster reform can come in many ways. There's just removing the filibuster altogether, which means that instead of getting 60 votes to pass something in the Senate, they could just do it with 51. But the other the, but the the thing that happens with the filibuster now is that Republicans are say, well just like send an email and be like, no, we filibuster that, so you right. can't just pass it with fifty one. You can't you can't just go forward and vote on it. And um and and the way that it used to be was that you had to go we'll read from a phone book or whatever for forty three hours and like that's how you filibustered, which meant the number of filibusters that actually happened were very low. Um, and now the number of filibusters is doubled or tripled or I don't know what the specific number, is much higher because all you have to do is just like send an email or whatever. But like, no, we filibuster. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's, and it's so, baked and so, into the
1: process. Like yeah, things and aren't even brought to the, the floor it just, if they think they exactly. could be filibustered. You know?
0: Exactly. So so um so making the filibuster difficult I think is a great idea. And and it seemed like something um that Biden, you know, was was maybe into. We you know, and when we've got such pressing issues, I'm into that or like carving out like voting rights as something that can't be filibustered or something like that. There's you know, there's there's ideas like that swimming around. So maybe. But all in all, um, I guess it, I don't want to say sleepy, but it was just like an unevent. <laughs> what? Like, how would you give it an overall rating?
2: I think it kind of speaks to the general like the changing face of the media landscape in general or the media ecosystem in general that something like a presidential press conference simply is not where news is broken anymore like it is just that's not how it works it's not like there are i mean politicians can speak directly to people through i i mean i'm sorry to sound like a (laughs) 65-year-old, <laughs> like, you know, they can speak directly to people through social media. Through their cordless other phones, ways of, you know. <laughs> yeah, like, they have other ways to, like, put th- across messaging. Meanwhile, journalists, you know, the the good, good investigative journalists rely on sources and on people that are speaking, like, way more honestly than Biden would be during a, a press conference. Right, so, like, the idea televised that
0: press conference.
2: Yeah, like, the idea that something groundbreaking can come out of a press conference feels very, like, 60s to me yeah. It simply <laughs> totally, is just not totally. like it's not designed to be that way and in fact the only reason it was that way with trump is because he made them into media events in a so- self-serving way like they no longer were they were kind of um they were you know, already not right almost. yeah
0: right they were already not media events before he came on the scene i mean there was a couple of things with obama but not even really um, okay. Well, we are going to take a quick break and when we come back, we'll talk about topic number 2 we are back and we are ready for topic number two. So the new trend in GOP politics, um, which is a bit of a revival of an old trend in GOP politics, is to fixate on trans girls, especially in sports. Uh, for example, South Dakota introduced a bill called the uh, Act to Promote Continued Fairness in Women's Sports. As you can tell, it might be uh, a misleading title. And um, And my question is, like, I guess, why are they so up the ass of this issue? Um, Even in South Dakota, they admitted that, you know, trans girls in sports only affects them in a handful of cases statewide. So what's the deal? What is um, what's happening here?
2: I think I mean, for me, what's scary about this is that it is so clearly the beginning of a larger effort to roll back trans rights and it's like it's it's kind of a smart way in i think if you're trying to appeal to social conservatives like school sports are such a an all-american thing and to be like school sports are under threat and children are under threat is a very effective way to get people that maybe don't know a lot about you know trans rights kind of like suddenly up in arms and and interested i think At its core, it's really what's upsetting about it is also that it's kind of like targeting little kids that just literally want to have fun. Like, it's not even I mean, it's just it's very it's so cynical in that way. But but like I said, my. I mean, first of all, this affects so few people. So like you said, it's kind of it's the perfect almost non-issue to fixate on. Um, but I'm worried that it will lead to actually like rolling back things like healthcare, which has already started to happen in other places, um, and and honestly lead to a more um, systemic kind of uh, backlash, if you will, against trans rights, just like we've seen in places like the UK in the past couple of years.
0: Christian,
1: well, you know, it, I, I kind of feel like the opposite. I feel like the fact that they're taking it taking it on so seriously is a, is a real marker of of weakness on their part. Um, you know, that these are the fights they were having about gay marriage 20 years ago, and Mm -hmm. they've had to cede ground culturally. On all of that. And they're now down to these handfuls of cases that affect very few people. By the way, I would be very interested to see all these people who claim to be such supporters of women's sports. I'd be curious to go through their uh social media profiles and see if they've uh made jokes about the WNBA or women's sports in general. It's like the, these are not <laughs> right. these are not people who support women's sports. They think that anybody who cares about women's sports is not a real sports fan, especially if you're a man and you pretend that like you care. I mean, I'm a big basketball fan, so I, I'm on Twitter and a lot of basketball writers or even NBA players will talk about the WNBA and invariably you'll just get a bunch of just chuds just you know like you know just spouting off in their bullshit and again I'm I'm making a blanket statement but I guarantee you those are probably a lot of the same people who are like we have to protect you know girls against these men uh, playing in their in their leagues to me it's that it's such a absurdly small problem that affects so few people and i to my Mm -hmm. that's my knowledge i'm sure there's a few out there but i haven't heard a lot of girls women young women on their high school sports teams claiming to have a problem with this i mean maybe they exist i'm sure there's an anecdotal case or two but it's certainly not i certainly don't hear as many uh women talking about this as i do men and uh right but to me it's a sign that they've they've kind of they've lost ground and they know it And, uh, but they, it's, it's a very easy thing for people to, uh, have a visceral kind of gut revolted reaction to the idea of like a man acting like a woman, like tackling her or like playing volleyball and like spiking the ball in her face. Like we can't have that. You know, it's a very easy image. If you are prone to, uh, thinking of women as weak and men as like brutes, uh, it's a very easy thing to latch onto, but to me, it's it's a sign of of that they're flailing. Now, granted, if I was a young trans person, I, I maybe I wouldn't be so blithe about it. I, I will admit that it's easy for me to have that attitude, being a 40 year old straight white dude.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think both. You know, it in some ways both things can be true. Like it could be this like slippery slope that George is talking about, where like you know, you, and and also it's like where you give him an inch. I don't want to give him an inch on this. This is ridiculous. Like you you were saying, George, it's not. It's it's a battleground. It's a really gross battleground because it's a battleground filled with children. You know what I mean? It's Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, all we're talking about here is children uh, that want to play sports. And th- these are a, this is a vulnerable population, um, whether they're trans or not, because they're children, you know? So, like, why is this the battleground? It's really, really gross. Um, and also, so, I mean, in terms of, like, uh, school sports. Um, also, some sports organizations have already taken into account trans athletes, like the NCAA, um, you know, uh, requires athletes who are transitioning to female to be on testosterone suppression treatment for a year before they compete can compete on a women's team so there's already like some um, measure of you know and I don't know if that's right or wrong or whatever I, I can't comment on that but like at least there's there's organizations that are like taking into account what that might mean and what kind of You know, standards or whatever or, you know, uh, precautions or whatever you want to call it, they can have in place um, Mm -hmm. to address it uh, in ways that that seem more humane uh, than, you know, than bills like the ones coming out of South Dakota.
1: Can can I just jump in for one second? Uh, You know, if 10 years down the road we look... And all high school sports are being dominated by young trans Trans athletes. athletes. Yeah, like it's it's a a solution in search of a problem. You know, right? Right. You know, then maybe we can have this conversation. Like, hey, you know what? It turns out that that these kids in a athletic competition do have an unfair advantage or whatever. But this is all just so fucking theoretical. You know, and it's as if, and it's you're you're so you're going to try to stamp out. Uh, trans rights. On the off chance that this some trans kid might want to join this, the field hockey team, like is that 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 is the uh, the the hill you're going to die on? Like, how about we uh, cross those bridges as we arrive at them instead of yeah.
2: I also think even just that kind of um, framework, even which I think is what's being pushed, is you know you have this group of people that are marginalized and are legally. And politically vulnerable. And rather than the goal being to um, s- somewhat move towards a path of justice, you are, in fact, framing them as threats to, quote unquote, you know, t- to cis people, basically. So it's I-, I think that's where I think that's what makes me afraid of this of, of of this becoming something bigger is like it is a step towards criminalizing a certain type of person or towards framing a certain type of person as a threat. Um, Right. And then once you do that, once someone is marked as a threat, it is so much easier to roll back rights because it's, you know, the implication is like, oh, no, they're too scary. They're too powerful. You know, we can't let them enter these spaces that are sacred in some way. Um,
0: yeah, and it's so ridiculous because obviously it's like vi- shifting victimhood from trans people, that, yes. you know, it, it, from trans people to cisgender people is like so ridiculous, Who didn't even right? Ask for it. Like, Who haven't they, even asked for right, the protection, you know? Exactly, like where it, and it's obvious, like in the you know in the people, the cisgender athletes are like. um, fine you know what i mean they're fine and so they're not victims no one's a victim
2: if the issue is i'm i mean if the issue is like people's size and hormone levels like we're talking about teenagers going through puberty everyone is all over the place like there right, is right. no it's it is not like th-
1: yeah. th- it's it's a non-issue yeah, one, one 14 yeah, year guys, old I, might I be fucking... six feet tall with a beard and another 14 year old might be five two you know like they're exactly yeah exactly development yeah is so yeah straight. yeah
0: well, like, want to I want to kind of shift the conversation to this like idea on the right of owning the libs, and and part of this whole thing feels like it's just to make liberals really irritated, you know? Um, because it's like, I mean, you know, the the fight for trans rights is real, so I'm not trying to diminish that in any way. But um, again, like the number of people that some of these bills address is so. Uh, extraordinarily limited. That it just—it mm-hmm. seems like it's just a a plan. Um, a part of a larger plan to own the libs right um, and just you know people have heard that th- expression thrown around and Politico uh, defined it as such to own the libs does not require victory so much as a commitment to infuriating flummoxing or otherwise distressing liberals with one's awesomely uncompromising conservatism um, where where are you guys on this lib ownage uh, how much of your How much of your reactive time do you think is spent on just like this, uh, on on reading stuff that they're writing and then feeling flummoxed?
2: Well, I want to say, I just want to say one thing in terms of owning the libs with this specific debate and and not to get too dark, but I just think to use a certain community as... um, What's the what's like the name for like a A chess piece like a pawn to use a a community of real human people (laughs) whose rights are in danger as a pawn for political arguments is actually further dehumanizing. And I think that's to me the top line with all of this is like everything like the owning the lips thing is, of course, true. Of course, all these things are in bad faith. But at the same time, they are the real harm they're doing. Other than the laws themselves, is further dehumanizing people by making their very existence into a topic that's up for essentially like a kind of like debate class theoretical debate where people are like, oh, very interesting points on both sides, and like blah. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. But yeah. you know,
2: there are people's actual rights. So, so I just I wanted to mention that without being like ov- overly. I don't know. Um,
0: no, again, yeah. None of, no one wants to like, see, this isn't just a fucking trolling game on Twitter. Yes, this yes. is like, again, and again, I just want to point out, with a lot of this stuff, it is about children, right? They're right. using children right. as pawns, not just any American yeah. children. So yeah. um c- But, but so you're continue. absolutely right
2: about the owning the libs thing. I mean, it's, it's like, that was the ethos of... D- Trumpism, I think, was, you know, getting a rise out of people. I think there is a very rich history. I mean, a lot of this stuff is bottom up and a lot of this top down, by which I mean, a lot of the language starts on like Internet forums and 8chan and 4chan and works its way up. But then a lot of it. And in, in fact, I think this is like under um, represented in narratives about this. A lot of it is top down and that like people with actual interest in these things use cultural um debates to further various kind of narratives so i it's yeah it, it's it's it, all of these are like theoretical conversations where the the last thing anyone actually addresses is how they affect real people
0: by the way did you know that there there are people out there who modify pickup trucks that roll coal to spew out like jet black exhaust fumes into the air um, as a middle finger to environmentalists—that oh, <laughs> like, is um, owning the libs that requires a trip to Home Depot that I I would just be not I would be like yeah. this is too much. You know what I mean, I'd rather go to brunch if like you know if owning the conservatives involved me doing some sort of a thing that involved a wrench no thank you you know i mean christian what were you gonna say
1: well you know first of all i feel like as as a ostensible comedian i (laughs) um, i understand the impulse because so much of stand-up comedy is about sort of popping balloons and sort of puncturing sanctimony and uh making fun of people for caring or making fun of yourself because you got angry about you, you know what I mean like a sort of undercutting seriousness of things and uh, a lot of these uh, a lot of the you know online people they get the whole puncturing sanctimony part but they don't have any sense of wit or you know uh, it's it's always easy to make fun of people for caring it, it if you care and the other person doesn't you are at a a uh, rhetorical disadvantage always. You know, if I'm punching you in the arm and you ask me to stop, well, it's a lot easier for me to make fun of you in that scenario than for you to make fun of me.
2: And unfortunately, there is no shortage of stories where <laughs> ostensibly liberal people do humiliate themselves. Yes. By yeah. how much they yeah. care. yes. So it's like when you have store, I mean, not to mention something from years ago, that's like a but it's like, do you remember that? story about how like students at Oberlin thought that like the fact that the dining hall served burritos was cultural appropriation or something like, you know, stories like that that are so clearly exaggerated, then are used as ammunition to be like, Well, this is stupid. Therefore, so are human rights. (laughs) Yeah.
0: All right. I mean, that's why college campuses are such a
1: target all the time anyway. Exactly.
0: Because because it's like
1: their kids, like college kids, and this has been true when I was in college. It's true of college. You know, it's where you are at in your developmental life between 18 and 21 is that it's like you found a gun and you've never, like, mm-hmm. the, these sort of ideas that you've discovered, you don't know how to use them yet. You have no idea how to, how to put them yes. in context, but you're so excited to know all these new words and new phrases and new concepts that you're, you're very strident and, you know, e- you know whether you're on uh, sort of a very liberal, uh, whether you're in a, in a sort of LGBT group, or, or if you're one of those kids who've read The Fucking Fountainhead, you, you have these ideas and you think you're the first person to ever think of them, and you brand right. them out there and right. now there's social media so you can broadcast your idiocy to the entire mm-hmm. world and then yes. all of a sudden you have 55 year old fox pundits treating you like <laughs> you're a professional debater you know yeah. you're just yeah. no you're yeah. a dumb yeah. fucking 20 yeah. year old in college well,
0: Right, and so then it becomes, you know, an elephant taking on a mouse of, yes. like, you know, where lib-ownage is like, okay, I guess you get credit for owning a lib in that situation, but that lib right. is 19 years old and, like, typed up a screed, you know, in their, uh, on an old-fashioned typewriter because they thought it was cool, and that's the thing you glommed onto, you know, and it, it, is, it does become ridiculous, but I do think, like, in general... I mean, forgetting the 18 to 22 year old, there's also the 22 to 85 year old who also just sometimes are irritatingly, and I know I'm going to use a word that the conservatives love to use, sensitive, right? And that like take on some things that you're just like, ah, oh, are we taking that on? You know, right. and um, well,
2: liberals take the bait. Right, well, yeah, exactly,
0: Always. and it's weird because what's really weird about that is we have more comedians, so why do we, t- like, why why do we take the, the the, the left wing has so many more just general comedians?
1: And yet the comedy um, audiences are more conservative. That's something that yes, I've learned over my years of doing comedy: is that comedians skew liberal, but comedy audiences skew conservative. Which is, is that frustrating, true? Discon- it was that absolutely like from true.
0: a case study of uh, one Christian Finnegan of people
1: who <laughs> actually pay money to go out and see comedians. Live actually actually spend dollars yes, yes. and not just sort spend of dollars, talk about who's club. cool and who's yeah. uncool, but yeah. who actually puts their money where their mouth is. That's why you see all these you know uh, like right wing comedy podcasts that are making fifty thousand dollars a month because hate them though you will those audiences will pay whereas all the liberal comedy audiences they they they, they don't go to a club and pay 20 bucks cover charge they want to see somebody for free at the underground bar show you know you know what i mean all these comedians they say they love have you actually spent any money to support these people the answer is no but the com the yeah. the, the, the Republican the conservative audiences they buy the t-shirts they buy the fucking mugs they come out to the show they get the vip package what? they do all I of it feel-
0: Real, I'm feeling very. Uh, I'm just like I'm feeling shocked by this. Go, I mean, go I, I don't and play know if the Dayton Funny
1: bone sometime.
2: <laughs> no. I mean, Nagin, <laughs> you should no. just pivot to hardcore reactionary <laughs> with this podcast, and then
0: it's, it's a comedy. massively
1: lucrative career path.
0: Oh my God! I've been doing this wrong this entire yes, time. We have. Aggressively wrong. wrong. Aggressively wrong. Uh, no, that said, I've performed in many, many, many red states, and I've had fantastic jubilant audiences. And maybe they were like you know total. Uh, well, they're
1: probably fans of yours that came out. But I'm saying, <laughs> right, The average the people who out. come out because it's Kim's birthday and we're going to go to a right. comedy club. Those they're not far are, right, but they're center right. right. They're like Bush center Republicans.
0: Right. Got you, got you. Which I'm fine with those they fine. Yeah, oh, like, I'll tell okay. jokes those people aren't great. I'm Fuck it. <laughs> all right okay let's move on to the next topic but before you we do i just want to say to listeners that as you know we're at our new home HeadGum. things have been going well thank you very much looking you know figuring out where the water cooler is you know what i mean how the printer works it's been very exciting uh <laughs> turns out it's all still in my apartment <laughs> okay um but one thing that has changed is we have a new email so if you want to email the show the email is fake the that's fakethenation at Headgom.com. we love to hear from you. Um, so uh, we, we got some emails to the old email address, uh, but this is the new one. Uh, and uh, so please contact us here with all of your show ideas, topic uh, ideas, um, guest ideas, all the stuff you like to send us. I'm here for it. Uh, and the email is fakethenation at headgom.com. And now we're moving on to topic number three. Let's talk about some really dumb media controversies. Or maybe they're not dumb. I don't know first jimmy fallon he had a tiktok star on named addison ray um and he had her on for a bit the bit was basically he held up these flash cards or whatever of a song name of dance names and then this and then addison would do that dance she very expertly did it apparently she's like very big on tiktok i'm also on tiktok (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I find it embarrassing every time I, I mention that I'm on TikTok, but I am. Okay, there was a backlash to this, um, and because Addison, because the, the the choreographers of those dances were not credited, um, and uh, for example, Rach is on Twitter wrote all the all of this. Um, all of these dances are made from black creators, yet they have this, you know, girl and this this white girl in the spotlight taking credit. Uh, Jimmy Fallon, shameful. Um, Who's TYE wrote, the fact that they have no idea how offensive this is is sickening. This is systemic racism at its finest. This white woman is benefiting from a broken system and was highlighted on national TV while the choreographers and actual artists that made the songs weren't even mentioned. Shaking my head. Um, George. What do you think of this uh, controversy? I mean,
2: I think, I think it's <laughs> this always happens with new platforms because what yeah. happens is these things. I, I completely take the points of of everyone you just quoted, but even more importantly, not only is it black creators, but it is a collaborative process among many black creators. Like it is, right, no one right, person right, right, can right. take credit for who came up with, like, a meme or a TikTok. I mean, it's always so funny when people are, like, when people call each other out on on Twitter or Instagram for, like, stealing content. I mean, I, I, unless it's, like, a literal, you know, an actual right. tweet or something. Like, so much of meme culture is created collaboratively. And, right. unfortunately, the way that the super system of, you know, executives that decide who's going to be the next big star works is that they – Decide who the most palatable person is from e- each of these new platforms, whether it's Vine or Instagram or whatever else. And they're like, okay, you're now the person we're putting on Fallon. So I think it's like, I mean, I hate to say it, but I don't think it's this girl's fault. I mean, as far as I know, she's like 19 years old.
0: Yeah, like, I know. <laughs> she was
2: like, she was like doing dances for TikTok. And then unfortunately, the way the entertainment industry works is like, people are not knowledgeable or smart enough to be like, okay, There are all these, you know, super cool choreographers and kids doing these dances. What, how do we, I don't know, highlight them in a way that's, you know, just, yeah, like uplift people that are the most talented and are the most interesting. But, but, you know, there's this girl that's like very easy to market she's clearly like fun and and you know good on i mean camera. she's a good so dancer it, i mean yeah, so it makes sense that uh, yeah. i don't know it's, well, I mean, it's just it's, like I,
0: it's also weird because i mean there's a couple of things going on one cultural appropriation rate that was uh, uh, the center point of a lot of these tweets but also um and but also like black dancers also don't credit black choreographers right i mean it's not it's not like there's a cre- There's a look. The crediting issue that you talk about that things are made collaboratively, so sometimes crediting can get murky. But also, just choreography generally doesn't get credited. And like the history of art is rife with people not crediting provenance. Right. right? That's just like the history of art. Um. And so it feels like part of the the backlash is just a frustration with just. The fact that people never credit anything ever, you know what I right. mean? It's just well, like the way it's the, I way it's is, the process that yeah, right did, and so it's like, and it again, and it's just weird to fixate on this one moment as being like you know the apotheosis of of uh you know the 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 of of um, what someone wrote here uh like the height of um fuck I can't find it doesn't matter but like but it's but it's weird to like have this one moment you know be the stand-in for like the history of not crediting Providence you
2: know what what people are reacting against I think if I'm doing kind of a generous reading of this is the more is like historically the sidelining of many black artists who are not credited and it goes back to you know Madonna uh, voguing in her videos and then kind of the and people thinking she invented voguing or um, right, 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 I don't know right, people right. featuring the artist Big Frida but then not putting her name on the song you know the this is a long history so I think so often the, the reason these reactions are so seems so over the top based on what they're commenting on is because it stems from years of seeing things like this happen over and over again, that then it all comes out with something as seemingly insignificant as Addison Ray doing TikTok dances. Like, yes, I agree with you that like that tweet you read that said it's, Structural racism at its finest. I oh, mean, yeah, yes, a, it's yeah. not actually structural racism at its finest. Yeah,
0: it's not. <laughs> I, I can think of finer <laughs> versions,
2: <laughs> right? Like, but you can still see, but you can still see how it is. At like, least D- like Bill that, you
0: Barr know. was our Attorney General, and Addison <laughs> right. Ray, you know what I mean, is no Bill Barr, right? Like, Christian, what was yeah. your take on on this uh, controversy? I, a,
1: a few quick points. One. Who really came out of this? Who won? I would say Jimmy Fallon. When's the last time anybody was talking about anything that happened on Jimmy Fallon's show? And I'm not even trying to be snarky about that. I'm saying if you're talking about an attention economy, which we now are, this is the best thing to happen to his show in months. And I would say, too, I would say probably more people, if Addison Rae were to post a new video on TikTok, more people would watch it than watched it and watched her on Jimmy Fallon. Even among people who are younger, who probably should know better, there's still this idea that television is this uh, elevated art form and that it's, uh, you know, I I just don't think that many people are watching any of these shows. I mean, I know people work in television. They're all panicked because who the hell is on TikTok who gives a shit what is going on on late-night television. It's so embarrassing to me to watch <laughs> Jimmy Fallon, this 50-year-old man, out there trying to appeal to people who are, who are, I mean, literally 16 years old. None of those people are watching your show. None of them, <laughs> you know? And yeah, so I think it's a little silly. And uh, kind of like what you were saying is like, yes, it's appropriation, but these things... TikTok, the whole design of TikTok is we all do the same thing, you know that. That's what has made TikTok kind of an interesting uh, platform. I understand the idea of like you know black creators create these dances, but you, well then you're but you're participating on a platform that kind of erases ownership intentionally. So it's a little hard then. Now, granted, you could say, well, they're giving this girl ownership of it by having her on Fallon and having her do these dances. But my whole point is, if you hadn't made a big deal about it, no one would have given a shit because nobody watches those shows anymore.
0: (laughs) All right. So Jimmy Fallon is the winner. Um Okay, well, let's move on to the second um, controversy from this week, or I don't know if it was it wasn't necessarily controversy, but a a, a cultural thing of note was that Jay Leno apologized to the Asian community for his former jokes. Um, He had been uh, I don't know pressured or contacted by the Media Action Network for Asian Americans about jokes he had made in the past, um, and he said, "I'm issuing an apology. I do not consider this particular case to be another." example of cancel culture but a legitimate wrong that was done on my part um mannaa which is the media action network for asian americans um has been very gracious in accepting my apology and i hope that asian american community will be able to accept it as well and i hope i can live up to their expectations in the future that's just part of his apology what did you think of this apology george
2: I mean, I would love it if he also apologized for every other joke he has ever said. <laughs> because truly- I For mean, just
0: not being your cup of tea. Could he just apologize I, for it's not just, being your I mean, cup of tea. Leno
2: was like, growing up, my dad would watch Leno. I think it was also like, you know, being at the time an immigrant he had never you know le- it was late night first of all it was the only one he knew the only late night host he knew and he just thought it was so funny like um, <laughs> and he would watch the monologues every night and I, it was just like I mean this was like during like the Lewinsky scandal it was like not i all I'm saying is that he has many other communities to so apologize to him if he's starting an apology tour um but <laughs> I don't know I mean I don't think right now <sighs> I mean what what do you even say obviously it's good that he apologized i think unfortunately like you know asian americans have been the punchline of jokes in american media and culture i mean you could even argue more so than any other community in in a in a in an extremely intense way since forever and also up until extremely recently so i think i mean maybe it's good in terms of uh, starting a conversation, but I, I, you know, it seems like small potatoes. Oh.
0: No, because just like what Christian was saying is, like, who's watching Jimmy Fallon, who's yeah. listening to Jay Leno, it's actually maybe people who might need to hear Jay Leno apologize yeah, no, about true, making jo- those kind of jokes. Like, you know, it, you know, if we're thinking about people like your dad's generation who are, like, enamored by him, um, hearing him say, I should have made those jokes, and this has nothing to do with cancel culture, and I was just totally wrong, that's... Powerful. I mean, these people no, are cultural yeah. leaders, you know. So I'm like, let's keep the po- apologies rolling. Like, let you know, let's follow Jay Leno up with like, I don't, you know, the, the whoever the next guy. I'm, tr- I am can not think of like, one. um, you know, I'm sure Letterman has some jokes that he's he's wants to that he could apologize for or whatever. Um, you know, I think these kinds of things matter. It, I think it's weird that we still. It's like we get an apology. I get I get that apologies can sound shitty. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's part of the problem. It's like apologies generally feel like shitty. Um mm-hmm. but also like wouldn't it be great to accept apologies? And and it's not my job, oh, right? Like course, I was I'm not a, I'm not in the community that was being apologized to, so I don't know, right? Like this the Media Action Network for Asian Americans took the lead on this one. He apologized to them specifically. He's hoping that Asian-Americans will follow, you know, the community will follow suit. That's all we know. But in general, it's just like, I believe that people can evolve. And an apology is a great start. Christian, where do you stand?
1: Well, first of all, I think you should apologize for stealing up all the quality denim. (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm joking. all of the extra
0: inches that were used to go right up to the nips
1: yes i, I you know i i'm joking because it's not quality denim obviously it's all stonewashed but uh i i don't you know i understand there's some cynical reasons why this is coming out now it's because he has a new show that's going to be coming out soon and he's kind of about to re-enter in his mind at least Society. in terms of his you yeah. know he's about to, he want he's hoping the show will be a hit and obviously the climate is very different and jay isn't one of that uh, jay like i know the guy uh he he wasn't like <laughs> your a, buddy jay <laughs> he's not like a i'm on the front lines of the anti woke mob like he's never that's never been his persona He's always been the I'm the guy that everybody likes and I'm the friend. And so a lot of the stuff that he a lot of the jokes he told in the 90s and early 2000s uh, that in were, were completely benign in the minds of most of his audience now seem very different. And because he was not a confrontational figure to begin with, I think he has to acknowledge that that in. I do give him credit because I think his apology uh, seems sincere, or it's sincere in the sense that he he I de- he's identifying the actual truth is that this is not cancel culture and that it is a real thing that he should apologize for. But it is um... shit. I had a point. I promised that my brain farted out. No, uh, <laughs> I think it is an acknowledgement of how society has changed, and I give him credit for uh, n- not. uh, being mealy mouthed about it about being full throated about it um and i you know it 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 makes me happy i it it acknowledges something that i've always felt which is that a lot of this stuff racism sexism homophobia it i wish people would treat it more like pollution or lead in the water that it was just Mm. something we were all consuming we were all a part of unless you were a part of one of those uh oppressed groups you know if you were just a straight white person like me living in regular culture it just kind of was in the air and was i out making you know asians are bad drivers jokes no of course because it just seemed hacky and corny and and i, I right. but but i wasn't out picketing in the street i wasn't out screaming hey don't yeah. do that either it was just kind of like "Ugh, that's such a lame joke um a lot of the sexist stuff that i i wouldn't just stand by in except now I accepted because it was just in the air
0: in the air, yeah, and, yeah. And
1: so I think that that might be kind of a, a way for the culture to heal. And a lot of younger people, I don't, I feel like maybe need to hear that message as well uh, to, to extend a little bit of grace towards people from a, from a different generation that, it was and just not even just a hugely all,
0: different generation, yeah. right? Like not even a huge. Like Kevin Hart is not like a hundred years old, right? Yeah. And he has the tweets of his are not like. You know, they weren't. They were tweets. Like they're from an era where Twitter existed. You right. Know? So but yeah, but, but, but it's the existence like the, of the, social media, the pace media. of change. Yeah. The pace of change has been so rapid, absolutely, that like you know, I think um, extending a little bit of, and again, and it's, I and I and I, and I again, and, and I'm not. Um, you know, LGBTQ. So I, again, it's not my place to accept, blah, blah, blah. I get that totally. Um, But for whatever people who want to make their apologies about their jokes about Muslims and terrorism of which there are plenty, (laughs) (laughs) which probably Jay Leno can go ahead and issue one of those. Although for some (laughs) reason, nobody cares about Muslims right now, (laughs) which is good and bad. But um, I I would say um, for for, you know I, I'm here to like listen to those you know I'm down I am I am so and, and, and extending grace and being like yes I'm lo- I love it I love it let's get the message out there and because because let's use your fame to also get the message out there it's not cool you know, to conflate Muslims with terrorism or whatever the fucking joke was. Um, okay, that is the end of the show. Oh my God, it was so fun having you guys on. And what I would really love is for the people of Fake the Nation to be able to follow you and all the good works that you do. George Severus, where do they do that?
2: Yes, um, I'm at George Severus, C-I-V-E-R-I-S on all platforms. Um, my, I have a Comedy Central set on at presumably, ComedyCentral.com. <laughs> um, <laughs> listen to my podcast, Radio Lab. I host with um, Sam Taggart. Each episode explores a different element of straight culture. We have Meg Stalter this week, or next week, rather. Um, and uh, yeah, I, it was it was a pleasure to be here again.
0: And Christian Finnegan, where do they find you?
1: Uh, I'll be at the uh, the Pottery Barn. Uh, and,
0: no, I, <laughs> I, I Looking will, at throw pillows. Yeah.
1: Um, no, I work there now. Um, <laughs> I can be found on Yield Twitter machine at Christ Finnegan and uh, don't bother going to my website. I haven't updated it since 2015, I think. But uh, <laughs> does anybody go to websites anymore? Not really. Um, But yeah, I'm on on Twitter. That's probably the best place to find me. And uh, if you live in or around New York City, uh, you could do do me a solid by coming to visit uh, QED Astoria, which is the venue owned and operated by my wife and uh we're starting to do shows again this spring as we're legally allowed and uh so check that out qedastoria.com and i have a uh, a new special slash album called show your work that will hopefully be coming out in june or july um, but if you follow me on twitter i'll send out a signal flare when i know more
0: Oh my gosh! There's such a, it's such a—I'm so glad you mentioned QED opening up in the spring um, because it's such a big week for comedy venues um, in New York City. And I—I I mean, you know, I know everywhere in the country is on a different timetable or whatever. Some places are just open and have been open, but uh, uh, a lot of places are opening up right now. Um, so shout out QED, uh, places like New York Comedy Club—it's very exciting. Um, and you, folks, you know where to find me. But I just want to remind you of the premiere of the. Adult Swim show Bird Girl. You can catch me on Bird Girl. I'm the character Meredith, so look out for Meredith. She's the mind taker. Um, and on Sunday, we're actually doing a YouTube premiere of the show at 7 p.m., where you can follow the cast along. And the cast includes some crazy people like Tony Hale and Paget Brewster. It's a really, really fun show. Really funny. Um, and so I'll be uh, on YouTube like live blogging along with the premiere of the show so please join me there And uh, but what I really want to do is thank the people that make this show possible. Uh, That is our wonderful producer, Julia Linden, our fantastic audio engineer, uh, Stephanie Aguilar, and all the wonderful people at HeadGum. Our theme music is written by Gabi Alter. And as always, rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Email us at fakethenation at headgum.com. Let us know what you think. Uh, Thanks for listening. And we'll be back in your earballs next week.